what is this app with the little things poking out of it? I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, something, something has gone amiss. All right, here we go. It's episode 12 of the Technologist podcast. The number is still correct. I know you debate. I'm Larry Burden, and he's been actively developing a framework to avoid frameworks. It's the technologist, David Noller. That's not inaccurate right there. You are the agent Develop- of chaos. I am kind of an agent of chaos. That's great. <laughs> um, today's topic, should he should he choose to accept it? Practical ed tech with the triple E framework. Yeah. So Liz Kolb, mm-hmm. the uh, originator of the triple E framework, visited us over mm-hmm. the summer, mm-hmm. uh, did a little uh, Wired TC keynote, which I thought was fabulous. We kind of discussed it a little bit in an earlier EdTech uh, Loop podcast regarding the fact that she just got right into it and went into the research. It was, you're professional, I'm professional, let's talk about professional stuff. Right, right. Um, but for those of us that did not attend the keynote, what is the Triple E framework? So I like to slow roll it um, in terms of just providing like just the, the bare bones of the framework, right? Um, Because I think in many ways, the framework reflects what has been good teaching all along, um, but highlights in a way that's that's certainly useful for our teachers to know and is great as a way to reflect on our practice. So the three big things of the framework are that we use whatever resources we're using, uh, whether it's a, a technology piece, a website, uh, a tool, whatever it happens to be, to engage, enhance, and extend learning. Those terms are pretty self-explanatory. In terms of extending, we want to um, build a bridge to real-world experience with the kids, with the things we're doing with them. And if we can use a technology tool to do that, then we've met our duty to extend. We want to um, enhance the kids' experience by helping them build to a more sophisticated understanding. And we do that through scaffolding. And that's where I keep coming back and saying, and that's always been good teaching. We've always tried to scaffold from simple to complex. But with some of the available tools we have, we can go higher than we could without those tools. When we're talking about paper and pencil, you can only go so far. If you can run a simulation online using these tools, we're taking that scaffold and we're building it higher. I hadn't thought about this before. But not only are you creating, and I think we, we lose this sometimes when we talk about using technology, you're creating scaffolding that goes higher. You're also creating scaffolding underneath because there's oh, yeah. more foundational skills that you need to have developed in yourself and in the students to get to the stuff up high. Sure. Sometimes we throw kids into the practice of the high stuff. And they learn those foundational things as they go. So the next time they encounter that tool, it's easier for them to use. There's no way around. You're going to have to use, um, you know, this library media research tool the first time once. Once you've used it the first time once, then it's no longer the first time. And you build those foundation as you go through that process. When we do our senior research project in the spring, by the time they're seniors, they've used that library tool so many times that it's, I have to spend less time building the basement and we can spend more time being intentional about our information gathering. Do you find that there are students or how much time do you spend making sure the foundation is set before you go on 
into the lesson. The I'm able to do it in a way that I walk with them for the first few steps. I don't I don't demo and then have them get in. We all get in together. We've already at that point thought about something that we're interested in finding more about. So we've already kind of set something that we're going to look for. So when we get into the tool, all we got to do now is figure out how to look for it. So while I'm putting in my search term, they're putting in theirs. I'm demonstrating it through the projector that's at the front of my room, but they're doing it for themselves. So when I ask them within um, this research tool to, uh, to view the wheel of topics and to be able to show how they can drill down to subtopics and how they can use that to then get to specific resources, they're doing it with me. And not only are they learning the process as they do it with me, they're being exposed to resources that they may very well use when it comes time to actually dig into the sources. They have the opportunity to both use the tool and discover meaningful content through the building of the foundation. According to the Triple E framework, this would be a usable tech tool. Yeah. Where, when do you use it? When when are you being mindful of, does this fit into, does this tool that I'm using fit into the Triple, sure. triple E framework? Sure. So in terms of um, something new, that I'm I'm trying for the first time, I'm going to be thinking about whether or not is this something that engages students in a way that I can control time on task to make sure that they're engaged in the process the whole time. I've talked before about how one of the drawbacks of, of technology uh, that happens is when a teacher says, okay, I need you to do this. And then there's like half an hour, too much time to get distracted, right? I'm going to give you 30 minutes to do X. Well, they're going to do X maybe, but they're also going to do YZ, alpha, beta, you know, et cetera. So I, I bear those kinds of lessons in mind about um, being intentional with time on task, and that's part of engagement. That would be one of That'd the E's. One of the E's. About making sure that what I'm doing is part of a scaffolded process. And then the third thing, and this is the thing I've been thinking about most, is the extension part. I'm teaching creative writing. Um, the first thing we did in the first week, well, not the first thing, one of the things we did in our first week was establish a online portfolio that they're going to be able to share with an authentic audience, whether it's their parents or the whole world. Or you talk about this. We're still year. working about that, right? But that's extending learning, where the only way they're going to have that authentic audience is by using the technology tool that's available through this website creator. Um, we're using Google Sites, and that's what we mean when we're talking about examining the the technology tools that we use according to this framework. If the assignment extends regardless of the technology tool, that's not what the framework's really for. The framework is for looking, is this technology tool useful as something that will extend the student's learning? And with extension, you know, we're talking about uh, bridging to real world. We're talking about building critical skills that are real world skills. And when you have to put your work out there in front of an authentic audience who has the ability to comment and you have to manage that sort of feedback personally, those are those soft skills about taking criticism and taking comment and being willing to share your work with others. Because I mean, when we're in the world of work or we're in the world of academia, someone's always looking over our shoulder. And so this is giving them a sort of- Sharing doesn't mean scaring. No. It doesn't always mean caring either, but uh, it does. It does mean that you have to have uh, a kind of fortitude to uh, to manage whatever response you get. That's how you use it. Mm -hmm. When a teacher's considering it, mm -hmm. when should they be looking at? I get in, their, in their lesson planning. Yeah, you know, when, what, at what point in time should they be like, 
mm, is this or is this not something that I should be incorporating into? I'd say at step one, if you have a thought, hey, I'd like to use this website, this online tool, this simulation, whatever it happens to be, before you get into all the planning and all the creation of assets that you're going to need to teach it, go through the framework. Does it is it going to engage my students in a way that is going to keep their attention and time on task consistently? If yes, keep going. Is it going to enhance the students' learning? Are they going to learn something more by by doing it? One of the things that, that we've seen as a kind of negative example of that are these academic games, these learning games, where after the kid does five or ten repetitions of learning, then they get to play a game as a reward. Sounds great, except what we find is that those learners who are not the go get them type will often just click through the answers so they can play the game. So the game becomes an actual distraction from learning instead of being a motivation to learn. Because most of those, you don't have to get it right to get to the game. You just have to answer it. Well, even if you do, even if you do have to get it right, you basically just created a multiple choice, you know, press and guess type right. of situation right. that's not really extending. Though the game is exciting mm-hmm. and interesting, the actual learning hasn't changed at right. all. And if it's going to be a game, the, the learning should come from the content of the game rather than I answered five questions, now I get to play Space Invaders. Yeah, We're big fans of gamifying. Oh, yeah, We are big fans, huge fans. I'm not a fan of traditional learning rewarded with games. That ha- they don't have context. Learning through games. And then the um, the extension part, um, is it giving you something to do that is taking the students beyond what they do in a traditional day? Is it taking them outside of the building? Is it taking them to real world, even soft skills of managing impulsivity or um, working with a team, those kinds of things? So for me, it's from the beginning. If I'm going to engage in this technology tool, it has to be intentional. And how do you make it intentional? You can follow this framework. You're saying that maybe not flipping through Twitter and going, ooh, Flippity, though we like Flippity. Yeah. Flippity is really cool. I don't really know it. I'm just going to throw it in there and yeah. see how it works. Yeah, that's that's been a challenge for us lately is that there are so many great shiny baubles out there to play with on the internet. And sometimes we want to say, I got to put this in front of my kids. They'll love it. But, you know, we've got the committee to review those things so we can make sure that we're protecting the kids' privacy and their data and all that thing. So um, part of being intentional about the the AAA framework, we have to have as a corollary also being intentional about data and privacy. Absolutely. Well, and also you might... Uh, Shout out, Danielle. Thank you for going through all those, all that fine print in terms of agreements. It's <laughs> That's cheap. right. Wow. Is there anything else on the AAA? We can dig into all kinds of things. We can give examples. I will I will give you this as an example. And this will be my like application outside of what I usually do. Kate Hansen teaches Spanish. And if you or I grew up in the decades before, a long time ago, I learned Spanish from worksheets and from repeat after me. And that's how we did it way back then, memorizing vocabulary. Ms. Hansen's been able to do um, engagement, Um, enhancement and extension through things as simple as creating a running journal that the kids keep where every time they write, they have to write 10% more than they did last time. So it's a Google doc 
they do a word count to see what they did last time. And then with the new vocabulary and the new ways of speaking that they've been learning through comprehensive input method, they try to write a little more. And so because they have that resource always available to them, they're always able to see what they've done. There's never a question of what did I do last time? In terms of like reflective learning, mm-hmm. they're able to reflect every time they, they produce, they can reflect on what they did last time. She also has a an, as an extension piece, we have an exchange with a school in Leon where the kids are pen pals and even video pals with those students. And they send videos back and forth. They send notes back and forth. They talk about themselves. That's the kind of thing that it's not necessarily high tech. It's just a pen pal, but we're doing it through the internet. We're using the video uh, capabilities across the internet. But it connects the students in a real meaningful, authentic way with a whole new audience, native speakers of the language they're learning, and connects them in a way that that builds those kind of soft skills of relationships and things too. So, Enhancement, engagement. Yep. Extension. Extension. And bam, bam, bam. She has accidentally become an expert in the AAA framework. But that's kind of what I mean about good teaching. She's taken the tools that were available... And before we even started talking about Tripoli, would be somebody that we could hold up as an example of someone who fully engages in the principles of the Tripoli framework because she's a good teacher. A good teacher will trip and fall into the Tripoli framework. Yeah, I think so. With a little help from your friends. (laughs) Maybe a shove. Uh, a gentle push. If nothing else, Danielle, to read those terms and that's right. policies that's before right. you use the use the tool. The Triple E framework, it's like if you're trying to decide what to use, if you've got a pancake, use a spatula. Thank Whatever, you, Uncle Buck. You know, right? Don't use the, the snow shovel unless you're making a four-foot wide pancake. If the tool's right for the job, it's right for the job. Look at the Triple E framework. Make sure it's doing the things we need it to do. Um, but don't jump into using a technology tool just because it's technology. It has to fit that framework in order to make meaning uh, with the student learning. Love it. Yeah, so love it. I don't know. It's early in the year. I don't know if you've got it yet. It's our, our favorite segment. This pod's getting gamey. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Are, are, are you gamifying anything? I this did year? a thing. Would, yeah, you've done a lot of things. I know. Maybe most of them aren't appropriate for the podcast. Wow. Though, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, tread lightly. No, sir. no. Tread so lightly. sociology, you know, I did the monopoly thing. I've done it in the past. It's been successful to a degree here and there. It's been great. It's been okay. Um, I wanted to do something simpler. And so I created a simple simulation where based on student choice, they had a list of half a dozen um, characteristics they could acquire. If they acquired two from that list, they couldn't get any of the other ones. Um, I could see this being used, by the way, in like a science class where you're designing a new species. What kind of, out of the six, what do you get? You get two. Okay, well, now you can't pick those. Once they pick those two characteristics for their society, whether it was um, advanced um, horse riding or development of agriculture or um, development of a market, that opened up another group of things that they could choose from in the next round. And they had to talk about, within the context of structural functionalism, this theory we were dealing with, what would help to create stability and solidarity in their, in their society, which roles had to be filled, and which direction were they going to go. One group went full warfare. They went, we want to develop weapons, we want to um, l- learn offensive strategy, 
Um, they didn't take any food development. They didn't take any government. They didn't take any um, trading along the way. They could have specialized in intervillage trade. They didn't. All they did was war. The time it took to write this out was about 15 minutes, maybe, as I figured out the branches of these different skills and what they could open up, right? 15, 10, 15 minutes, super quick. And then the time came and I turned to the group, the military group, and I said, who do you want to attack? Well, who's got the most money? They do. And how do I know that? Because I decided. Mm. <laughs> they had a market. They had built a barn and a silo for storage. Um, they developed their agriculture. They had a fence. Okay, they are. We attacked them. Well, they didn't know. The attacking group didn't know that the that this rich group also invested in um, defensive warfare. And so there were losses on each side, but they were not conquered. And then immediately, one of my students says, how about the rest of us form an alliance against them? And all of those principles that we'd been talking about in structural functionalism, about the roles that we take on in society in order to create stability and protection, in order to have solidarity so we have community within, all of that stuff played out in the classroom to, to the point where one group was literally shunned and they were personally offended, not just in the context of the game, but they're mad at their classmates for leaving them out, right? But that was kind of the goal of the whole thing. So if you're not going to play nice, if you're not going to play nice, you know, they're going to kick sand or whatever. I don't know. What is it? They take their ball and go home. Yeah, that's, yeah. So it was super simple. It took me about 10 minutes to plan, maybe 15 max and super effective. And it was paper and pencil. Had nothing to do with technology except for the fact that I typed out the rules on a Google Doc. But it was it was a great way to engage kids in decision-making that demonstrated this theoretical framework where at the end they could all kind of give a, aha, I get it now. More frameworks from you. This is getting weird. No. Yeah, but it's chaos because, you know, I had the rules, but I had to storytell the whole thing as we went. So Okay, okay. we'll know. let it pass. There's still some chaos. Yeah. Tutorials and updates. I uh, just wanted to point out that we had a Meet the D Tech Director pod uh, on Tuesday. Dropped yesterday, yeah. I do believe. It's a very good pod. He had things to say. I will listen to those things. They, they were good. They were good things. We actually are going to actually be putting a piece of that, a snippet of that on YouTube. The TCAPS Loop YouTube uh -huh. channel uh -huh. is active. All right. Now, speaking of active YouTube channels. Yes. The technologist has always got something going on on YouTube. Have you dropped anything new? There have been a couple recently. We're working on a project of sort of like uh, TCAPS Tech 101, getting started kind of uh, skills and things. So I've just put up a couple about um, like real mundane stuff, like how to um, change your printer, how to access the TCAPS App Store for programs that aren't already installed on your device that you might need. Danielle just is working on one, and I think I linked it on on my page because apparently I steal things, but um, on sort of the philosophy of technology integration in TCAPS. And then I also posted one about where to find help in TCAPS. When you have technology questions, um, there's our help desk, extension 33325. There is... Uh, on Google Drive, there's our team drive that has the the tech toolbox. And then, of course, there's your educational technology coaches, Danielle Brostrom and myself, the technologist. All right. Uh, in closing, follow us on Facebook at Twitter, at TCAPS Loop. At technologist. What happened? 
I don't know. You, 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 I wasn't listening to what you said. I assumed <laughs> I was supposed to say something. You, you did exactly what you were supposed okay. to, but you looked really confused doing I it. went somewhere in my head, <laughs> and I don't know quite where I went. Okay. Chaos. I don't know if I want to know where you went. Oh, I was thinking of a joke. How many surrealists does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Banana. I was going to say rhinoceros. <laughs> Close. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and anywhere else you get your ear candy. Remember, you're never too old to play. Play a game today. It's good for you. <laughs> <laughs>